Hey guys, this is Braden. Thursday's episode of a football show was so long with so much breaking news about Harold Landry and Derrick Henry, as well as SEC weekend number one, that we decided to break it up into two episodes. So this is part two of our Thursday episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. This one's all Titans, all focused on Harold Landry, Derrick Henry. We talked to Kevin Byard, had some conversations about J-Rob and, and the COVID draft, as well as the final 53. So just it was such a long episode that we thought we'd break it up into two parts. So if you missed the SEC show, go check that one out. Here is the second half of our Thursday episode of a football show. Okay, uh, before we hear from Kevin Byard, make sure you go to Weiss Liquors, of course, one of our amazing and spectacular title sponsors of the show. Uh, Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors. This is your cue, Zach. Oh, Weiss Liquors. They drive so you can drink. I love it. It's, we're getting there. We are professionals, I promise, despite everything you've heard the last 49 minutes. Um, okay, so go to Weiss Liquors. Uh, if you pop in and you buy some booze, say 440 at the register. You will get, uh, of course, 10% off, so that's tax-free booze. 1932, locally owned and operated independently by a local family here in Nashville for almost 100 years. So go check them out right there, uh, right there near uh, the Titan Stadium on, on uh, Gallatin and Main Street right there in East Nashville. So go check them out. Weiss Liquors and the Kingston Group, we love you guys. So go check them out. Okay. You wanna, you want, we're going to talk Titans. We're going to talk 53-man roster and J-Rob, and we'll talk some of that stuff today. This is mostly a college football show. But I had a chance on Wednesday to go into the locker room and uh, first time since 2019, and I had a chance to talk to Kevin Byard for a couple of minutes about what I want to know is why is it working for the Titans? Why does Mike Vrabel's communication style work? Why does the how do you describe the culture in a granular level? And uh, here was what Kevin Byard had to say to me. Man, I, one one way I would describe culture is when things are going bad in the building, rather than you know any type of adversity. And I was just in the football sense, like when. You drop two games, or you drop a game against a team that you you know you should have beat, or a disappointing loss, or something like that. You know, how do you respond to that? Uh, because at the end of the day, I don't think you really. How would I say? You don't necessarily raise your level to. I don't. I might be saying this wrong, but the things that you do every single day is that's how you overcome you know bad times or stuff like that. It's not like you raise your level or you lower your level to competition. You just raise your your level to. What's your standard? Like, what's your base level type deal? And I think that the stuff that we do every single day, and I will use an example. Um, we've done a lot of joint practices. I've been here with Mike Variable, And usually when I'm talking to guys on other teams, at the end of those practices or in the middle of days, like, y'all guys practice like this every day? You guys practice hard like this every day? And I'm telling some of the young guys, like, this is what helps us win games. When the national media or whatever says that we don't have all the talent or we don't have a lot of superstars, we don't have a lot of Pro Bowls, whatever it may be, but I've never had a losing season since I've been there. It's because of those, the, the way we practice, uh, the type of guys we bring in this locker room, the way we buy in. That's the culture. You know what I'm saying? Those everyday things that we do allows us to, you know, win those close games or be able to play 91 guys and, and still be a number one seed. I think that's when I look at culture is it's the things that you do every single day continuously. That's what your culture is. So when you, you know, because it's easy to ride high, ride the emotions of the year, but when things are going bad, what do you fall back on? You fall back on your foundation or your culture versus, you know, when you look at teams that maybe have a lot of talent, when they face adversity, you know, you might call them front runners or maybe, but it's just not a front running culture. Is that a, a Vrabel accountability like every day, like teaches that every day to you guys in terms of accountability? Is that no, absolutely. And like I said, I think at this point, um, especially when he first came in, 
uh, when I obviously his first couple of years here, he really had to stress that really hard. Yeah. Um, but I think now that he's been here for going on five years or whatever it may be, um, I feel like we have, I think it's going on four years, uh, we have the leadership in place that we're able to hold guys accountable. It's not just Brable we'll always have them doing it. And that's how you want it to be. Like, he's going to hold guys accountable, but you have to get to a point where the guys in the locker room are holding guys accountable. He can focus on other things, obviously coaching the team, and not having to be that enforcer, that asshole, whatever it may be. Uh, so, like I said, we have a good pulse on, you know, what works and how to win games. So when guys come here, you know, we just – not necessarily get on them, but let them know, hey, this is how we do things here. And if you want to be here, if you want to be a part of winning culture, this is how we're going to do things. Cool. So that was Kevin Byard. Uh, some of that's cliches, um, but I thought some of it sort of explains that, that your expectations when you show up, you better, you better be doing your job, that players are holding other players accountable. I also had a chance to talk to Austin Hooper about this because he's a new face. And, he, and I said, is it, was it noticeable from day one? And he said, absolutely. It was a totally different thing. And I love Bayard's comments about the joint practices where everyone's like, do y'all always practice like this? And he's like, yeah, man, this is how we do it. Yeah, I, th I think it's great because what I like about it is essentially when Vrabel first got here, a big thing to do was made a big to do was made about leadership from the players. This this team has like leadership from the players and blah, blah, blah. What I like about the interview is that Basically, Vrabel, for his answer was, I don't expect them to be leaders. I expect them to be players. I am their, I am the guiding hand, essentially, is what he said. What that was, to me, was th these guys are obviously not ready for to be leaders. And I'm not going to force anybody into a position that they don't want to be in. And he led by example. And now other players have taken his example and run with it. And what this tells me, a lot of people credit Mike Malarkey and Delaney Walker for turning around the locker room. Kevin Byard's words right there let me know Mike Vrabel turned around the locker room. Yeah, yeah. I'm not giving credit to Mike Malarkey and them anymore because Kevin Byard said, essentially, we did not know how to be leaders, you know, pretty much. Like, we weren't ready for what Vrabel wanted. And he said, he was like, he had to, he had to be on us pretty hard early. Yeah. And now he doesn't have to as much. If, if the locker room was turned around with a bunch of great locker room leaders, that wouldn't have had to happen. Yep, Which and that's okay that it did happen because in the end, we've talked about it almost all offseason. The change in Kevin Byard's vocalness and and how he really opened up to you off this question was fantastic. And then Ryan Tanhill's attitude has changed. And then you you hear about David Long knowing that he's gonna have to step up. Everybody knows what's on the line. Taylor Lewan's progression as a leader has really blossomed under Mike Vrabel. It was going nowhere fast yeah, under Mike Malarkey in the first few years of Vrabel. It's just as it's amazing, and we talk about it all the time the Mike Vrabel effect that he has on players. Yep, and I would give some credit to Lewan too. I mean, maturing, getting older, becoming a father. Like I think a lot of that stuff, he's got to get credit for some of that too. Um, and I was talking to Mike Herndon about this on Twitter real quickly, where he was like. You look at some of these pieces, the Titans are getting younger, which is what they want, uh, bar barely kind of each year. But a lot of the – you just we talked about Derrick Henry's contract. There's a lot of guys on this team like Lawan and Tannehill are over 30, and we don't know how long these pieces are all going to be here. And you kind of have to constantly be in a shuffle of like, all right, we're moving on from a veteran. We're moving on from Gerald Casey. We're moving on from Logan Ryan. We're moving on from Brett Kern. We're like you have to constantly be shuffling. And what it means is that people like Bayard, who probably might be here for longer, 
they're, they've got to train the next wave of those guys. Mm-hmm. Like David Long is now, I think, going to blossom into that type of player. Jeffrey Simmons has to become that type of player now, which he, I think he very much is. So Christian Fulton needs to take over some of those roles. Like you're going to need to see that like next wave of guys kind of come up and, and take over. I'm just fascinated by the human element of football in a locker room and, and why it works. Like why does Mike Vrabel work? Why does Sam Pittman work at Arkansas? Why does Nick Saban work at Alabama? Like I just, I'm fascinated by how you get humans to buy into the same thing and then focus on detail every second of the day. Like that is such a hard thing to do. And I think it separates the great coaches in the NFL from the bad ones. And I think Vrabel is as good as, as it gets when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's just, it's very interesting. And we, we've been on this when people bring up the fact that is there something going wrong? Is Mike Vrabel losing the team? You know, the stupid shit that gets said here and there. <laughs> that, that, I think, I think we've been saying there should be nothing anymore said about Mike Vrabel as a coach and about losing the locker room. Unless he's going in there and murdering people, the locker room is going to be fine. Which he could do with his bare hands, probably. He could. Uh, most of those players, everybody but so. uh, Everybody but Jeffrey Simmons, probably. Um, I had a chance to talk to a few other guys. Um, the only one that really stood out to me is I talked to Chance Cable for a little while, and I was like, just give me something about Lane. Like, give me something. He goes, yeah, he loves Pilates. I was like, okay. <laughs> I love <laughs> Lane, it. Lane Kiffin lost a bunch of weight. And I don't, I don't, Lane Kiffin is so fascinating. Like he's, he's such a weird dude. He's not the guy that you think he is on Twitter. He's actually like this weird, quiet, like keeps to himself guy. Uh, but apparently loves Pilates. Lane Kiffin loves, loves Pilates. What a weird uh, guy. What a yeah, weird guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, all right. 53 man misses. Basically, I think you got like 47 or 48 out of them, right? They've made a move now. Racy McMath is on IR. Cody Hollister, come on down. A part of the starting lineup. Uh, but the big news, of course, and we'll get to the Dennis Daly trade as well. They they some they they add some some depth there to the offensive line. But Josh Gordon is on the practice squad, and I like. I I don't know what to think of this because I know how talented he was a long time ago, but I also know all the other things he he does now i don't personally give a shit if someone smokes weed i just don't care it's not that big a deal to me medical science has come around on this the propaganda that took place in our country for 40 years to alienate this stupid plant has disappeared all but disappeared we've kind of woken up out of our stupor on this so i think the treatment of josh gordon was probably unfair uh but he was good a long time ago zach what do we make of this here's what i make of it is that while he's not the best option for your fifth wide receiver, because that's essentially what he's going to be, I still would like a Preston Williams. I think technically Marcus Johnson would be a little bit better than Josh Gordon. I think there are there are players out there that they could go get that would be better than Josh Gordon. But what this signals to me is that they want a big-bodied physical receiver who's athletic enough. He's not super he? athletic. He's athletic enough. I mean, he was. He, he's more. Let me say something. He's more athletic than that fucking Cody Hollister guy. Yeah, but Hollister does his job. Hollister who, does his job. Who cares at this point? You have 50-something other players that can also do his job. He's not a remarkable run blocker, and, and that's just – he's just a guy that gets in people's way. Can't someone else do that? He doesn't have any athletic ability. He's he's caught, he's caught some passes here and there for like 40-something yards or 50-something yards in four years. Why – why – does John Robinson and this staff put on a pedestal the hard working blue chip and pale guy instead of getting some guys with some fucking upside blue that could do something pale. different? Racy McMath and Cody Hollister are not even realms of the same athletic ability or same type of wide receiver where Josh Gordon is a little bit closer to Racy McMath and Cody Hollister is. In the end, 
this is a wide receiver five. In the end, that is pass catcher eight or nine on this team, like in the pecking order. Yeah, that's true. Dontrell Hilliard was always going to get more passes thrown his way than probably Racy McMath was. But the problem is, is that Racy McMath is your deep threat. Now, I know that Traylon Burks can be the deep threat, but now you're taking and putting an additional role onto a rookie that he may not be really ready for. Now, if he's running the deep outs, or running the deep deep routes, who's coming across the middle to take the uh, slant to the house? Yeah, definitely not Des anymore. So. Yeah, so to me, it's like Cody Hollister doesn't do it for me. Josh Gordon, in all honesty, doesn't do it for me either. Uh, he's just better than Cody Hollister. And if that's the bar that this team wants to set, then that's fine. It's just not a good enough bar for me anymore. I, I'm I, sick of I'm sick of these. They're they're just guys. I'm sick of the just guys because they happen to be super nice, hard workers. I guess my question is what, I mean, they know more about Josh Gordon than all of us do. And I guess Josh Gordon, like, again, if you're telling me Josh Gordon is even 80% of what he was when he played. Oh, in I league, think you'd be lucky to get that. He's 50% of what he was. I would. And I think you're right. Like even at 60%, he is more athletic than Cody Hollister. Like I'm not yeah. arguing. There's not, I am not debating who is more athletic. It's more about just like, Remember that Golden Tate guy that everyone thought we should get? Yeah. yeah. You know, like I, Julio Jones did this too. I mean, I'm not suggesting that Josh Gordon is Julio Jones, but like, I just don't know. And so I'm, I'm okay with him earning his way onto the practice squad and onto the, onto the team. And I'll be interested to see like what he looks like if he's been training every day and eating well and is in great shape and all this stuff, then yeah, he's probably much better than Cody Hollister. If he's just, you know, taking bong rips and sitting on the couch, like then he's not going to be better than Cody Hollister. And that might not be fair to him because again, I don't judge if you want to sit on a couch and get high, I don't care. But like, I, I, I don't know. I think Cody Hollister has earned more respect. No, than, he does, than, has than not. Than you are giving him. No, no. Why? He doesn't have a touchdown. He doesn't have multiple I don't love hundred him. yard games. Uh, he has earned nothing for respect. He is just a guy. I, I he, agree. He is agree. an, he's an average you could put a mannequin out there and get the same <laughs> kind of uh, get the same kind of production out of that mannequin. I I, I think it's ridiculous. It's kind of like Mason Kinsey. What good is Mason Kinsey? What good is Des Fitzpatrick? What good are these players that you know that you've seen enough of? If Cody Hollister was so good, why does he always get cut every chance they can get? They cut Cody Hollister and move him off the roster. And they're I, I think do it's the same the, here. I think it's the floor. Like it, there's no upside. There, I agree. He with is you. the tiny house of wide receivers. He has a low floor and a low ceiling. <laughs> they're, they're they're practically the same. Like I, a I mouse. Agree. I agree. Uh, um, <laughs> the whole a mouse burrows into your wall. Like the houses that Jerry used to live in, and Tom and Jerry. That is his floor and ceiling. That is that is. I, there I, it I, is. I don't disagree with you. It is the smallest. Why mess with them when you got guys like Preston Williams or Vincent Smith. Bring me the unknown guy. Don't. I mean, I get that's Josh Gordon. I mean, yeah, that's what that I, and, is. And so. again, he's better than Cody Hollister, but he's still not going to fix the problems that they have with Racy McMath potentially being gone eight to ten weeks, depending on the injury. It could be as little as four, but if the hip injury is a fractured hip injury, like is going around, then that could be eight to ten. We we've got no clarity. And we probably will never get any clarity of then. Oh well, Racy McMath isn't on the team today. We're only going to talk about the players that are on the team. Stony <laughs> says, says, "I didn't see Josh Gordon fighting for an extra six yards on a play against the Cardinals' third string defense on Saturday. I don't know who you're defending, Stony, with that comment. Are you defending me? Or are you defending Zach? I don't even actually know what you're doing in that, with that comment. Um, but I do appreciate stirring the pot. I do appreciate that. 
Um, all right. Do you want to, Dennis Daly? What What are the Titans getting in, in with Dennis Daly going to get him to add again? This is a guy who had some potential, played some games, wasn't great, but he does. He is a depth piece. He looked so relieved and excited to be there, didn't he? I mean, in yeah. his interview, he looked so happy. I thought maybe he was high. He was so happy. <laughs> and it, it was, listen, it's hard for me to judge rookies coming from the disaster of a team that came from Carolina. Yeah, And I understand there's not a lot of good tape, but multiple teams were obviously interested in him. I think yeah. the Steelers and the Titans were the most interested. And... I think that's why you've heard from multiple teams that it was the Steelers and the Titans. And I think that's eventually it was a bunch of teams. Steelers and Titans went up and then Titans beat out the Steelers. Yep. I think that's right. Okay. So I, I went back and I compared the stats of Dennis Kelly, who played three NFL seasons and Dennis Daly, who paid played three NFL seasons, who both got traded after playing their third season in the NFL to the Tennessee Titans. Dennis Daly was better than Dennis Kelly already. That Dennis Kelly. Now, can he be as good as 2020 Dennis Kelly at right tackle? Can he be that guy? I don't know. We'll, will we'll he score see. two? Will he score two touchdowns? Yeah, we'll see. But here's the thing. You know who who made Dennis Kelly that 2020 Dennis Kelly? This staff. Yeah, it's true. Keith this Carter. staff got the most yeah. out of him. So why can't they do the same thing with Dennis Daly? I I think it's just one of those things where I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. And the tape's not great, but how much of that is Carolina and Matt Rule just sucking hard? I mean, they are just you, a horrible staff. Is this is this sucking more ass? Is that what this was? No, from no. I was going to say something else, but I figure I keep it a little bit PG thirteen. Oh, sure, yeah, because this show's been so PG yeah. so far today. Um, I, listen, I think this is a nice move because of depth, and clearly other people wanted him, which means other people see the value and the upside and the potential and the talent as well. So. Uh, I mean, I think it's I just think adding any piece to the offensive line is a huge boost because I think fans need to prepare themselves for a rough year along the offensive line. I think Derrick Henry masks a lot of that. I think Tannehill being mobile and getting out of the pocket will try to mask some of that. But I think that if, if the Titans offensive line is great, they can win the Super Bowl. If the Titans, I, I am more concerned about the offensive line than I am Ryan Tannehill. How about that? I, I think that's a I think that's been the case all offseason. This does yep. not. Yep. soothe anything but this also is a part of what does this mean for next year this gives him a little bit more flexibility next year because he's on a cheap contract he'll still be on his rookie contract no he will not be on his rookie contract this is last year yep um so it's a prove it it's it's prove it it's, too, it's, it's a prove for him and if you keep high, if you keep signing him to dennis kelly like contracts eventually he's just going to be dennis kelly i mean i, I <laughs> and if that's the ceiling that's his ceiling right his ceiling is obviously 2020 dennis kelly and for the people that wanted dennis kelly back on the tennessee times after he got cut by the colts why yeah because he's i like because he's, he's a great guy <laughs> yeah that's the number one he's a great guy i love that john robinson said had to mention the senior bowl when he was talking about dennis daly in his press conference because obviously if you went to the senior bowl you're God's gift to fucking football. I mean, just ridiculous. Hey, don't hate on the don't hate on uh, face to face evaluations, Zach, because John Robinson clearly needs face to face <laughs> evaluations. Yeah, we'll get to that to, in a minute. To draft well, any other misses before we get to John well, Robinson? I've done my hits and misses at BroadwaySportsMe.com. I was going to say go. So you can go to BroadwaySportsMe.com and and uh, I wrote about that. Um, yeah, ch check out the I podcast think the biggest, too. 
yeah. Check out F Words Pod, Music yeah. City Audible. You guys did a great job covering all the the, the cuts and stuff. So go I check thought the biggest surprise out. was Trey Avery. Uh, I think he yeah. and and the cutting of Chris Jackson in favor of Trey Avery. And I was kind of surprised that Chris Jackson cleared waivers. I thought I thought he wouldn't because most people want defensive back depth. Theo Jackson getting getting cut was interesting to me too. That one was. That one was very interesting. If you see uh, his locker is right next to Kevin Byard's. I, t- I talked to him for a second and uh, just about Tennessee stuff. Cause again, I went to middle for a year and then Tennessee. So I, like, I had a chance to joke with those guys and yeah. uh, Theo did win the, uh, which school is better at football competition. Uh, Kevin had to shut up about that pretty quickly. <laughs> so, the, um, but I was surprised I, they cut him. He's a draft pick. He, he was running as the third safety. Like they, they're keeping five safeties. Like I, I was a little surprised by that. Well, I, I think keeping AJ Moore is a fool's errand and foolish, and I will never, I will never be okay with that. And whether that went a spot went to someone else or went to Theo Jackson doesn't matter. I don't think AJ Moore should be on this team. Um, I wonder because it came out that Theo Jackson had a concussion. I wonder if there wasn't lingering effects and instead of putting them on yeah. the active roster, give them a little bit of break on the practice squad. That that makes some sense. I, I think that. Theo Jackson, I feel like Theo Sorry. Jackson will have a a good career for the Tennessee Titans. You know, like a a, a backup safety, like career long backup yeah. safety. But he'll be a contributor. This isn't the end of the road for him. The defensive line, I don't understand. Seven defensive linemen for a team that only typically uses two or three at any like, given moment. Like, like of them. yeah, give me a break on well, that. I think that I wonder. Uh, to me, that's like all right. If Autry's a little banged up, if like you're kind of like hedging your bets there, but yeah, I thought you don't need both Kevin strong and Deshaun hand. I'm not sure why you needed both of those guys. So, okay. So here we go. The, the, this is, we're going back to the Derrick Henry. Der- Der- we want to wrap. Okay. Derrick Henry. We're going back to Derrick Henry. Get some raise. Right. Okay. So his cap hit according to over the cap.com, his cap hit for 2022 is now 9.8, which it was 15. So it went down big time okay. for that. So to me, that screams, Someone's getting signed soon. Someone's Ooh, getting signed. okay, okay. Meaning they next wanted year, they, they wanted space on the cap to go yeah. make a move. Okay, next year his cap moved down like two hundred k, but his um, but he's got three void years according to overthecap.com. So three void years of one point eight a piece, which is five point four million dollars. Is the move in your opinion hypothetically because they went and traded for an offensive lineman? Is it more wide receiver or is it more offensive line? Or am I missing a position? I, no, I think you know, that someone's getting paid as far as someone on their team. Oh, okay. Okay. So that would be Damani Hooker, David Long, Jeffrey Simmons. I'm going to throw something out there. Is Nate Davis holding in? Ooh, with his new bod? New body. He was supposedly healthy this whole time, and all of a sudden he's I'd pay not. Him. I'd pay him. I'd pay him. I, I wonder if there's not a hold in. That's also why they may have spent a fifth round pick on a guy that can play right guard. And why we didn't see him so much for a while uh, at practice. Just kind of saying. Okay. Just throwing a little conspiracy okay. theory out there. Just wondering if this all isn't okay. all connected. I, I would say that if you're looking at for, for sort of moving um, D- Davis off of the hold in category, just to like who is going to get paid, go with your smallest numbers first. And that's going to be Hooker and. David Long and Nate Davis probably before Jeffrey Simmons, right? So right. I think that would be, that would be a fair way to look at that. So yeah, that's opening up almost six. That's six million dollars in cap space plus the two from Kern. That's an eight million dollar raise they could give somebody in theory if they wanted to do that. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, but back to the defensive line thing makes it makes no sense. 
I think I'm going to write an article about Trey Avery. I, I've read a few okay. articles about him, and then I heard Mike Frabel's comments and John Robinson's comments about him. I think I'm going to write an article about Trey Avery coming up soon about why he may have made the team and what you could take away from his college tape versus now. He played 71 snaps versus the Cardinals. That's Defensive a snaps. That's a lot of reps. That is a, that is crazy. And he did a, a really good job, I think, in those 71 snaps uh, at the time. So it'll be interesting to see, is Trey Avery one of those guys that everybody overthought in the draft that probably shouldn't have gone undrafted, but maybe should have gone fifth round? I guess we'll see. Yep. Um, so, are are you ready to talk about J Rob? Because I want to I want to make sure we uh, I want to make sure we talk about our sponsors real yes. fast here. Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors. Thank you guys for our support. So, all you guys listening, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're catching us, go to buildkg.com. Check out Kingston Group and go to Weiss Liquors. Ten percent off if you say four forty, of course, at the checkout counter. And of course, Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors. You do the drinking, they do the driving. It'll be a great weekend for. Oh everybody. my gosh! Breaking news. More news. Harold, Harold Landry just tore his ACL. Are you kidding me? Not kidding. Adam Schefter, a loss before the season even begins. Titans pass rusher Harold Landry tore his ACL during practice on Wednesday, which was supposed to be just a condition. Oh, yes, yesterday. So this happened yesterday. Well, practice on Thursday was canceled. We got an email gotcha. saying we got an email saying no media availability, no locker room, no oh nothing. My gosh, uh, I can't believe that Her this is a major oh, blow. Um. Okay, well, there's your money that they need to go sign somebody, right? Yeah, but who do you sign? I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, here's the one thing. I do think Ola and and Rashad Weaver are 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 okay. Like that, as far as the backups go, we like those two backups. They can do it in, in sort of piecemeal. But I think you need to go get another piece because I don't think you know they resigned. They got David and Ninny on the practice squad. I don't think that's the answer. So maybe there's a veteran move here coming. And now you've got two. You're starting two outside linebackers have had torn ACLs in the last year. If you're a look man, at this, made that graphic on the fly. How did you? How did how fast did you do that? That's a, that's incredible. Um, man, I I don't even know what to say. Like this, uh, that that changes a lot for this defense. Just because you got to remember, Harold Landry does stuff in college. He allows them to do different things. Yes, Danico Autry is also an outside linebacker. Yes, Demarcus uh, Walker's also can be an outside linebacker. But now it's next men up and it's Rashad Weaver. I don't know where you go to find help for this. I mean, obviously you could bring up David Anini, who showed some flashes, but that is uh, asking for a lot from three guys, Ola Denny, Rashad Weaver, and David Anini to do something to make up for this loss. I, I'm I'm very concerned about what this says about this team. So yeah, I I would be very concerned as well. Certainly with the strength of the team being the defensive line and their ability to pressure the quarterback without having to blitz at all. This is a huge loss for the entire season. It is a huge blow to a team that has largely been healthy most of camp. And frankly, the reason Harold Landry got paid is because he was available all the time. That is some old school Titans bad luck God, right there. I mean, you what? could not. You After cannot, three preseason games, it, it's it's sad. It's crazy. Oh, I man. I hate it because obviously they're gonna have to put him on IR. This this team after struggling all year, ninety one players last year. Racy McMath, Harold Landry already off to being injured, and Harold Landry who has somehow been healthy for four seasons. Tear his ACL after he gets paid. That's a that's a that's I a went to, body blow. 
I went to like just double check and make sure it wasn't like a fake Shefty account, but no, it's the real one. Um, oh, I get notifications for real Shefty, not so fake Shefty. <laughs> so it's a real, it's a real story, man. Tough news for the Titans. Um, big loss for that defense. I, so I, that he, changes this defense. That's change. That's a that's a player that yes, it takes other players around him for him to be successful, but you can always count on Harold Landry to do his job, set the edge, and all this stuff and. There you go. Now we know why Vrabel is in a bad mood yesterday. Yep. Not surprising. Yep. Um, now here, here's the here's the thing. They have some versatility with their defensive line, and as we just joked about, they have seven of them. So if if Weaver and Autry and Simmons can be more flexible, move around a little bit more, can they also in certain situations fill some of his roles with like Danico Autry on the outside? Or you know, it's not is it not it's not just Ola Denny starting every game and playing every snap and Rashad Weaver. The idea is going to be. Can we be more flexible with some of the pieces that we've got? Does that mean TR Tart and Naquan Jones? You have to find a guy that can play the snaps that he plays. I because you he means so much. You're now splitting so many snaps between Rashad Weaver and Ola Denny and whoever else. It's it's kind of like Racy McMath. Racy McMath was supposed to be the the deep threat guy. Now you're taking some snaps, some assignments away from. Traylon Burks. Now you're going to take Danico Autry away from what he's good at. You know, you may the Rashad Weaver should, cannot be a slot corner like Harold Landry can. He can't go into coverage and be that guy. Who is that guy for them now that he's out? It 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 hampers a lot of the multiple looks that they can really give out. Now they're going to have to get even more creative because I don't know of an edge rusher out there that's on the market that can do half of what he does. All right, let me ask you this then. Let's go hypothetically here. Obviously, Brable, bad mood. They've made some moves today subsequently to free up space, right? right? So is there a chance that there's a trade somewhere coming? Who Who is the, the disgruntled pass rusher that they could go get? Where would you trade pieces from? Where are you deep enough to trade pieces from? Like you're not trading offensive linemen or receivers or... Yeah, you know, I don't know where. Like, could you? Are you going to move a corner for him? Like, I don't. Where Where do you move someone to get? And again, defense outside linebacker is one of the most expensive pieces on the team. Uh, where can they go to even go get something like, like a replacement? I mean, I don't know if he really replaces it. Jason Pierre-Paul's out there. D. Ford is out there. Um, those are two guys that could probably come in and give you something. Maybe Mario Edwards, KJ Wright. Uh, I don't think that he's signed anywhere yet. Ryan Kerrigan is out there. Uh, I don't think he was claimed, and I don't think he was signed anywhere, but there was Kamoko Ture, who got cut from... Um, and I'm not yeah. sure if he's still out there. A- a- he says dra- draft picks, of course, are a possibility. Jamie Collins. Uh, I mean, you look at this list, it's not a great list, but those are lists of people that I would at least say, you put them with Ola Daney and... Um, you feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better because I yeah. think Jason Pierre-Paul still has some some stuff to go on. I think you s- could sign Kamiko Ture and get some stuff out of him. KJ Wright, I know he's thirty three, but maybe you can get some stuff out of him. If anybody can get stuff out of these players that may be older on the thing, man. Even if Kerrigan's retired, he can always come out of retirement. I don't know if he's officially retired while he was on a team that's a little bit different i, I mean uh, zach i'm just sort of like it's <laughs> this is so weird to be like live while this is happening but it basically i watched every practice and every practice it was like it was totally spotless it was totally clean 
there were a couple of tweaks here, you know, Autry maybe had the hand and, you know, Burks missed a couple of this, so like, but it was basically a totally spotless practice for the entire camp. And then the very first practice basically that they have that is not technically a camp practice. Like, man. Yeah. Just... I mean, that's Kev, Kevin's right on there. And that's, that's where it's concerning for me is because it's when he drops into coverage, but especially around the goal line where they use him a yeah. lot on the goal line as a, the threat to rush. And then they drop him and that's, He's man. It's just, you know, they're going to have to adapt and Mike Vrabel will, they'll do next man up, but they they have in my mind, this couldn't have come at a worse time because you're still struggling to figure out your wide receiver room. Yeah. Offensive and, line. <laughs> and offensive line. And now you got this. Oh, this is not, this is not great. I, I just, I hate it for him. I hate it for the team. That that's, that's wild. That's going to damage that capability to be a top five defense in my opinion you know we I, were talking at the I beginning of the agree. season top five top three defense you may be lucky to be top 10 top 15 yeah because like they kept i mean the, the only practice squad player isn't any that can even play that position like they yeah. don't even have anybody else on the practice squad that's even close they've got joe jones and they've got merch but that those guys don't do that stuff no. so look the, the culture is under under fire already okay the culture is now going to be tested even further um, and, uh, if anybody can do it, we know Vrabel can do it and look next man up, right? Like, uh, you can't <laughs> go, go drink a lot this weekend. Titans yeah. fans go drink a lot and watch some college football and forget all about it. And then, uh, let's see what moves they make. Cause I, I guarantee you there is something coming. You don't be something up. this weekend with the, cause yeah. they're they're They've sent everybody home for the long weekend. And I know they're going to be a vet practice yep. on Monday for labor yep. day, yep. but the, today long weekend begins. They're going to make some moves, do some workouts. Just keep your eyes for a bunch of the Twitter accounts that will tweet that out over the weekend. Yep. And you free up uh, $8 million in cap space with a couple of moves after the day after or, or, or the week of uh, it's pretty obvious they're doing something. So we'll see what happens. Uh, here's the deal. We'll have a podcast for you guys on Monday to react to all of the college football that happened. And then we've got some big stuff planned for you guys next Thursday. So make sure you tune in. Don't let this dampen your weekend. Enjoy yourself. Watch some college football. Have a good time. I didn't even get to this. Oh, yeah. I got to get to it. All right. Okay. All right. Have some fun. Have some... Let me let me do this for for those that listen to the podcast. Well, let's we should maybe split this up podcast wise. We should you maybe you release one episode about our college football, one episode a little bit easier to consume okay. Titans and college football. All right, because this is an extra long show. But I want to play this clip where Teron Davenport and this video is courtesy of Teron Davenport at T Davenport underscore NFL on Twitter. Follow him if you don't, because you should be. If, you, if you're any kind of Titans or football fan, you should already be following Teron. Uh, I agree. Um, go, go match, he was at, match, he asked way. John Robinson a question about um, why he thinks the 2020 draft class was, he, he words it a little bit better than I will, but why did it stink? <laughs> Christian Fulton was in that class. Um, uh, Merch was in that class. Merch has made our, our team a couple times, and then he ended back up on the practice squad this year. But we've got some guys in the, you know, that were undrafted that are on that class. I've spoke about the guys that aren't here anymore. I'm not gonna talk about those guys again. Um, but I, I think that was, that whole that whole period of time was, it was kind of weird for all of us, right? Because we were in this pandemic, we were locked in our houses and we couldn't do anything. And um, it certainly, I mean, we tried to go through our process TD, but it was just different. And it wasn't, I, I personally didn't work, was not able to do what I normally do as I prep for, you know, for draft. Now, I did not go through every team's 2020 draft class, <laughs> but I went through eight teams 
the Bills, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Colts, and the Rams. Okay? I feel like all those people... Pretty good ones. Pretty good teams to compare yourself to, especially because one of them's in your... in your. Everybody wants to say John Robinson's better than Chris Ballard, and I do agree to that. But my issue with all this is using COVID as an excuse instead of taking accountability and saying, I didn't adapt. I fucked up and did not adapt to the environment going on because you're technically not locked into your, nobody was locked into their house and you couldn't go do things. And there's no way that you couldn't do zoom calls. You couldn't do other stuff. It was obvious after the Isaiah Wilson fiasco, they really dropped the ball on their investigatory process and the way they scouted this draft class. And they, they let COVID hinder them and handcuff them while these teams did not. The Bills still have six of seven players that they drafted on, on their active roster, three starters. Baltimore has nine of ten. Nine of ten, five starters out of that out of that nine. San Francisco has all five from their draft class, and three of them are starters. The Steelers have three of six, three are starters. Chiefs are five of six, four are starters. Bengals are seven of seven, three are starters. Colts are six of nine, four starters. Rams are six of nine, three starters. Okay. Teams weren't affected by it. And some of these teams were in fucking California that had worse laws than Tennessee did. So more stringent laws, not worse laws, there but more stringent, restrictive laws than Tennessee did. Yep. Everybody, no, that is not an excuse. That's not a valid excuse. You got to, this goes back to a thing that I've said about John Robinson for a little bit now. And we see it. He's too he's put himself in a box that he cannot move past if there is an obstacle in his way for whatever reason he's got to he's why he's got to keep signing Cody Hollister and Mason Kinsey and these losers he just he has to have hard workers you know who needs to be hard workers or the guys that are the scouts in his thing and I think that this class only having one player left from that class and and that one player is a starter out of the many people that have he that have left and gone because he, you know he says well i'm not going to talk about the players that aren't here anymore well that's the problem they're not here anymore yeah right exactly and and i heard audible talking about this like with amon ross st brown drafted right after des fitzpatrick who again i, I agree with graver on this i i have been an amon ross st brown super like super fan since he was a recruit coming out of high school like that's a guy that you could just uh, it was obvious to everyone he was great and they traded up to draft des fitzpatrick instead now here's what i'll say i agree with you that COVID shouldn't be an excuse. I agree with you that he didn't say it correctly in that that clip. I think he should say something like, look, I need more face-to-face -face contact to do my job as best I can, and I screwed up by not doing that. Like I, I want more accountability. I will say that we know the Titans have a little bit more old-school vibes, a little bit more face-to-face -face scouting. They're, they're not as deep into the analytics. And again, we can argue if that's right or wrong. But John Robinson has a lot of Ws on his draft resume. He just needs to take the L on this one and just be like, look, I didn't go out and talk to as many people as I should have, but I normally need to talk to people. So I didn't figure out a way to adapt to that. That's my fault. I got to take the loss on that draft class. So like there's reasons why it could have been more difficult for him and COVID could be the reason. And I'm fine with that. It was more difficult for everybody. But to say that it like, so I, I see the point that he's making. Like, hey, I, I want to be face to face with people before I truly evaluate. who. Again, they brought in Burks the second time because they didn't like their first face to face meeting with him. They bring him in a second time and they like him. So I think that there's some element of truth to what he's saying, but you can't say it that way. You just got to say, look, I wasn't able to adapt. 
My skill set didn't work in that situation. That was my fault. I should have done better. Take the loss and move on. So, yeah, the I, 2020 I, draft class did not work out because I failed to adapt to the environment that yeah. was before me. I yeah. would have respect. I it, and first off, this is not a fire John Ra- Robinson rant no, or anything, no. or that I hate John Robinson anymore. I was just sorely no. disappointed in the answer, and I thought it was a really bad yeah. answer. And you know, people say that I tend to paint everything in a positive light for this team. Well, here you go. I yeah. think this was a negative thing for sure, and I think that the, he did himself and the fans a real disservice by not taking accountability. If you are going to do pass-fail, win-loss on John Robinson's seven draft classes, right? I just did the whole finger-counting thing. I, I think he's 6-1. and one. If you're going to count this year as a win because they haven't played yeah. a game yet, but like they look like really good players so far, if, or take this one out of it or whatever, I think it's the only class where you go, that's just a big L, dude. You got to take the L. As a massive, it's a massive L, massive blemish, and... That well, and, and moving up and tra- and trading up for Dez Fitzpatrick or that whole yeah, class and that, ugh, just awful. All right. I got to go get my kindergartner. Can yeah, I go, go get, get my kindergartner? Yes. yes. All right. What a show. Just awful news. Oh. Tough news there uh, for, for Harold Landry, of course. Uh, there'll be some more news. We got a pod coming for you on Monday, recapping all the football from the weekend and probably a, another move from the Titans. So we'll do that for you. No live show, but we'll have a podcast for you. So check out the feed. Go to Kingston Group. Go to Weiss Liquors, of course. Check out Broadway Sports Media. Go get yourself a subscription, an insider subscription. Use that insider code. Follow you, Zach, on the uh, the Twitters there. At, at Pod. There you go. You can get to me as well, at Braden Gall. Everybody have a great and wonderful and spectacular Labor Day weekend, or at least try to. Kick your heels up, have a cocktail, watch some ball. That's how we do it. For Zach, I'm Braden. Thanks for hanging out with us. Mercifully, this show is over. This has been a football show.